Welcome to Ghost Riders Anonymous, an inspirational and interactive podcast where we create worlds through words and writing. I'm Kelsey, and today I'd like to know if you were a bird, what kind of bird would you be? I would be a common grackle. I just recently picked up book one in a series by a girl that I was classmates with. It's called the Strategy Series by J.C. Ayrn. Book one is Pawn. Book one and a half is Fool's Game. Book two is Royals. And then book three is due to release this year, I believe. I have been obsessed with it. I rapidly read book one, book one and a half. I've started book two. I'm just eating it alive. It's so good. And, you know, reading the back of it, I wasn't sure if I like it or not because it's heavily influenced by video games, which is nothing I really ever indulged in. But I'll read the back of the book just to give you an idea of what it's about. 17-year-old Rogue has always classified herself as socially awkward, preferring video games over a trip to the mall. When she wakes up in a forest, she finds that life as she knew it has changed forever and she cannot remember how. In fact, she can't remember the last six months at all. As she navigates this new world, she soon discovers a talent for combat and survival she'd never had before, a handy ability in a world where humans compete in a game governed by rules she can't remember. Ronan, a talented 19-year-old, was wrenched from his Midwest home and forced to compete with a Skaki set. Despite the set's repeated losses, Ronan has proven himself a powerful player, his sights set on surviving each match, no matter the cost. When a new pawn is added to his set to replace one they lost, Ronan begins to break out of the shell he built around himself and re-examines what he and the other humans have become. So Skaki is basically equivalent to chess, and it's a virtual reality game where these aliens called the Elintians collect players, trade players, and make wagers over. The sets, or the teams, have owners. And it's not just humans that they collect, they're all different races. There's a cat race, an arachnid race, rodent race, dwarves, elves, they're humanoid. And they're competing in this game to survive. When they're playing, if they get killed in the game, they're protected by a firewall that keeps them alive in the real world. All except Rogue, as it were. She is not protected by a firewall, and that's because her owner had her competing in these underground games called the Black Ring, which is essentially the equivalent to dogfighting or cockfighting. It was a blood sport. Anyway, as the book starts, Rogue wakes up in this world. She seems to inherently know what to do and seems to be very skilled in how to do it. As it turns out, it's because she's been altered by this alien race to be the best. And as she's playing this chess-like game, she reaches the enemy lines and makes it to, in chess, what would be the back row where you could exchange a pawn for a piece that has already been captured. In order to bring back a piece, a knight, she has to have a boss battle. And so that's what I'm going to be reading, this first boss battle that she's had in this virtual reality. One of her teammates informs her that the boss battle for this particular match has a setting that you are your own worst enemy. And so she's asking him, does that mean I'm going to be fighting myself? And her teammates are like, no, but you do choose your own doom. It's almost like you're stepping into a world that you've already designed in your own mind once before or lived through before. So 
so as she enters into this home square and is locked into this boss battle, she is slowly starting to realize that this boss is in a video game that she used to play when she was a kid. And so she's very familiar with it. She's able to anticipate a few things, even though it's a little off kilter and just a little different than how she remembers it being. But she surmises that it generated for her because it was so hard for her to beat. She clocked a lot of hours trying to defeat this game. The sky flashed and a blinding light lit the air on fire. All I saw was white. Blinking rapidly to restore my vision, I took a step forward, my arms outstretched. Suddenly, a weight dropped onto my back and my eyes widened as a familiar scene was built in blocks around me. I was at the bottom of a spiraling set of stairs that I knew would lead into an octagonal room made of gray stone. Starting up the stairs, I peered over the lip of the stone that marked the end of the stairs and saw just what I expected. Eight identical pictures adorned each section of the wall. They showed a winding black road with a creepy leafless tree to one side. An old shack was positioned off in the distance. Just seeing the image so clear in this virtual reality was giving me chills. The wall was roped off with velvet dividers, and at the top of the stairs were six holes in the floor, where spikes would shoot up and trap me within the room. A large blue rug lay on the floor in the middle of the room, decorated with three very large connected triangles that formed an even larger triangle. Three winged fairies lay on each side of the picture, each playing a long, valveless horn. It's my stay-puffed marshmallow man, I whispered. I knew the battle would not start until I was in the middle of the room, so I paused before stepping within the spikes. This fight had been the bane of my existence when I was a kid. Before I had figured out the trick to beating it, the battle had always taken me hours to win, and I had definitely gotten that game over message more than once. The weirdest thing about being in this position, though, was how much clearer the graphics were. The old game I played, though in its prime at that time, had boxy characters and blurry pictures. The world around me was as real as real life, and I knew that a game over now would be a true end. I stepped into the room, my feet towing the edge of the rug. I pulled the weight from my back and again expected exactly what came into my hands. The master sword felt good in my grip, and the shield light on my left arm. The same triangles from the floor decorated my shield. I had always been obsessed with that game, and I loved that I was wielding the signature weapons. I knelt down and felt the plush rug in my fingers before taking a deep breath and replacing both sword and shield on my back. I pulled the hero's bow off my back that I knew would be there as well, because I would need it first. Trying to calm my nerves, I crossed the threshold into the center of the room, but nothing happened. What was going on? I knew there had been a glitch in the game at this point in the old system that kept you in this room, but there was no way that glitch had survived in this technology. The road back down the stairs was still open and I moved back toward the exit. A few steps away, the spikes shot up and an evil laugh rang through the room, just like in the game. I felt myself take a step back and I looked around. A series of knocks echoed throughout the room and I spun around searching. I spotted the horseman, all black metal armor with wild red hair riding at me from one of the paintings. I loaded my bow. Pulling back the string, I waited until the enemy was about to come out of the portrait and then loosed. The arrow streaked through the air and bit into the wall as the horseman turned and headed back down the road in the picture. Something was wrong. Why hadn't the boss come through the picture? The truth hit me as I realized what I had forgotten. I dived forward in a roll as a streak of lightning exploded in the center of the room and separated into eight different lines. 
The horseman laughed as he twirled his magic spear and continued across the room. The attack barely missed me. Next time, I might not be so lucky. There were always two horsemen, one fake and one real. Thankfully, I still had a hold of the bow and five arrows were still in my quiver. I watched the retreating horseman get smaller and smaller as it rode to the back of the painting. Knowing that the next one would be coming soon, I swiveled in place and sighted the horseman again. I pulled back on the stream and waited. Once again, I had chosen the diversion and pivoted on my heel to see the real horseman coming through the wall. I let the arrow fly and it sailed high. He laughed again as he hurled his ball of energy at the floor, which split into separate bolts. This time, one of them hit my trailing foot, and a painful jolt froze me for a second. I shook it off, knowing that he would be coming back soon, and knowing, too, that one of my six hearts was gone. The next time the horseman got to the edge of the painting, a purple and black vortex opened up, and I got to see the boss's entrance into the room. The clop of hooves echoed through the room as I lifted heavy arms to aim once more. At last, I had chosen the right picture, and as the horseman came through it, I fired. The arrow hit home. His body flashed red as the horse turned and galloped back from where it had come. Three was always the magic number, so I would have to hit the flame-haired horseman two more times to get him off the horse. His laugh echoed through the room as he got farther away. Once more, I chose the right picture, and the vortex had barely appeared when my arrow slammed into the horseman. Again, he flashed red before the horse and rider disappeared. One more shot, and then the easy part of the battle would be up to me. I saw the purple vortex open up once more and tense to let fly my arrow, but the horse didn't come. It was so frustrating when video games changed patterns when you were so close to winning. Realizing I was looking at the decoy picture, I rolled as the lightning hit, came up on my knees, and fired. The flame-haired rider deflected the arrow with his spear and threw a knife at my head, blasting the floor with energy again. I jerked out of the way and the knife slid a line under my left eye. This game was so much easier when all I had to do was push a few buttons and move a joystick around. Plus, I didn't remember this boss ever throwing daggers. I grasped for an arrow and pulled my last from my quiver. With shaking hands and ragged breaths, I loaded my last missile. I scanned the portraits, tamping down my fear, and drew a bead on the one that was slightly different from the others. He came out of the picture, but I held my shot. As his energy struck the floor, I jumped and fired my last arrow at his retreating backside. Bolts of lightning scattered out beneath my falling form, and I hit the ground in a roll after they had dissipated. Just before his form entered the picture opposite the one he had come from, my arrow bit into the horse's rump. The rider flashed red as the animal bucked and neighed just before it disappeared. The rider floated out to the middle of the room, using the vaulted ceiling to stay out of my reach. He hovered back and forth in a pendulum-like fashion, and I drew the sword and shield from my back. As I watched my enemy twirl his magic spear, a ball of energy formed at its tip. I felt my confidence rise. The red-haired man flung the tip of his spear forward and the ball of light hurtled toward me. I chopped at it with my sword and batted it back at him. After facing fast-pitch softball pitchers all my life, this was not a difficult thing. He promptly returned the volley and I did the same. One more round and he missed. His own attack slammed into him and he convulsed with sparks, jumping all over his body before he dropped to the floor. Pushing through the fatigue of the battle, I rushed forward, swung my sword, and connected. It bit into the boss's shoulder, in a crease of his armor, and came away as he flashed red. Before he could get up and ascend back into the air, I hit him three more times. He laughed as he went, that evil laugh that had so haunted my nightmares as a child. My adversary raised his spear once again, and a black ball with a red center formed at the tip of his magic spear. My mouth dropped open. 
This was not an attack my memory-conjured boss was supposed to use. Forward came the spear, and the ball of magic shot with it. Halfway to me, the ball split into eight separate bullets. They flew at me from all different angles. I spun in a circle with my sword outstretched, remembering how to return this type of volley in the game. Unfortunately, I was not as skilled at that kind of swing and only managed to hit half of them. All of the ones I hit slammed into the boss. He convulsed again and dropped to the floor, but so did I. I was frozen as energy ripped through my body. It was not a pleasant experience, and I didn't recover in time to attack him while he was down. We rose back into position as one, and I dreaded his next attack. I knew I would not be able to dodge another volley, and I didn't think I could take another hit. That last blow had cost me three hearts at once. How was I going to manage this? One more hit and I was done. Sweat poured down my face and my heart hammered in my chest. He was firing up his spear. I ran toward the wall. The balls wouldn't be able to come at me from all directions there. I didn't make it in time. The ball split into eight and flew at me. I chucked the shield at a couple of the missiles and they fizzled out. Contorting my body in a mid-air jump, I managed to avoid three more as I awkwardly swung at the last three, which were fortunately in a straight line. I hit those three back at the boss as my back slammed into the wall. Pushing off the wall, I followed the three missiles back to the boss and slashed with my sword moments after he was hit with the energy balls. He flashed red and I pulled back my sword, attacking from the left, slashing from the right, and then finally jabbing forward and burying my blade in the thing's face. There was another flash and it burst into flames. The lifeless body rose into the air as it burned to ash. A red jewel in the shape of a heart dropped from the ceiling and floated before me, just as a ring of blue light appeared in the floor beside it. I picked up the heart and it winked out of sight, but I felt my injuries vanish and my bracelet dinged. I pushed the button and my stat screen showed several attributes gaining levels or skill points. Smiling, I stepped into the ring of the blue light and was transported back to home square. As my vision cleared, I found myself standing in the center of a white marble slab about the size of a basketball court. From here, I could see that the edge of the marble was very close to the edge of the plateau, and in the middle was a raised area with a pedestal at its center. On that pedestal was a large screen with words printed across the center. Feeling elated at my most recent accomplishment, I moved forward to read the screen. My eyes slid over the question it asked and read only the two options, class change or resurrect player. Thinking it was unfortunate that I was going to gain no levels for this, I punched the button that would bring back Ronin. To my surprise, I was awarded 16 levels and 3,500 gold coins. The lights flashed, but that wasn't what caught my attention. Sparks flew as projectiles scraped across the pedestal. I felt warm liquid down my cheek. I matched the line on the other side of my face. As I dove for cover and rolled off the marble platform toward the edge of the cliff. Too bad the sword and shield had disappeared with the boss battle or I would have stood my ground. Another dart flew a few feet above my body and sailed into open air. Still on my back, I brought up my grid screen to find out just exactly where my enemies were attacking from. Then I grinned. I rolled over the edge of the plateau. JC Aaron does such a good job immersing you in this world, and I think that's why this made the book such a rapid read for me, and why I'm so hungry to read the rest. I was pleasantly surprised on how much I enjoyed this, and it's not just because she was my classmate, I think even if I didn't know her that this would be a boon for me. It reminded me a lot of Ender's Game. I read that book in college, it was a recommended read for me, and I remember thinking, mm, I don't know if this is going to interest me at all. Boy was I wrong, I flew through that book and 
and it was very much the same for this. I just wasn't sure if I would be interested in a virtual reality book, but as it turns out, I'm extremely interested in a virtual reality book, and it almost made me want to play a video game. But if you're a chess lover or you're into virtual reality or video games, I think you would probably really like this book. My favorite part about that boss battle was the scenery. Since I'm not very familiar with video games, I'm not sure if she pulled this boss from a game that she used to play as a kid or completely by her own design, but I saw myself there. Just this octagonal cinder block room that was laid out almost like a art museum. I imagine these eight portraits along the wall with the velvet rope barricade that keeps people from going up and touching it or getting too close or breathing on it, whatever it is people do. And I just like the eeriness that it's the same painting repeated over and over in the room. And then this rug in the center I thought was this false security of making you feel welcome or invited in when really it's this cold calculated trap where these bars come up and cage you in. And of course, I loved that it was a horseman with flaming hair. It almost kind of reminded me of Dragon Ball Z with his spear and his ball of energy. But I would love to see some sort of fan art of Rogue and her teammates and of this boss. He reminds me of a flaming horseman meets Jin when he's rising to the vaulted ceiling. I imagine him as not having any limbs. He just sort of tapers down like a genie or a djinn. Which, by the way, I am reading a great book about djinns and seafarers on the Indian Ocean in the Middle East. It's either in the 11th or 12th century, but it's called The Adventures of Amina al-Sarafi, and I do plan to share some excerpts from this book. I'm still currently reading it, but there's a very lovable character in there that I find extremely inspiring. If there's something you've written that you'd like us to share, feel free to email gwritersanon at gmail.com. We will be sharing around August our next book club edition, The Night and Its Moon by Piper CJ. As always, we'll catch you guys next week.